You might have a mom, she might be the bomb But ain't nobody got a mom like mine Her love's till the end, she's my best friend Ain't nobody got a mom like mine Welcome to Teaching My Mother ABA, where we put a unique spin on teaching ABA by using pop cultural references and real life stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the shit show we call life. So my quote for today, I feel like when we're talking about essential skills and strategies for a professional, like I have to go to the office, like for all my quotes, because I feel like Michael Scott is the best person on how to be professional and be a leader. And, and especially since we're going to talk about uh, leadership today. So my quote is, would I rather be feared or loved? That's easy. Both. I want to, I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. That is it. So I don't know any office quotes and I hate watching the office because in high school, do you remember, I can't remember his last name, but he was like one of our, it was, he did his student teaching with us and then they hired him in like economics class or whatever we had to take where we learned to write checks and things like that. And he had us watching the office the whole time and people wonder why I can't balance a checkbook. It's because I spent that whole class watching The Office. So I didn't watch The Office until like three years ago. Apparently I was going through, it was when I was in Kansas. I wonder if it was during quarantine. I mean, I'm really late to the game. Like everyone would be doing office quotes and stuff when I worked in Iowa. And I'd be like, I don't get it. Like I don't understand it. And um, then I started watching it. And I'm like, it's hysterical. Absolutely hysterical. You should watch it again. The other one I like that I think you should watch, which I don't know if you have, is Parks and Rec because you're kind of like Leslie Nope and your yeah. love for binders. So, yeah, I love a good binder, and good <laughs> folder, and good binder. It's perfect. You know what you want to get me. Okay. Uh, which so is what's our topic? Um, okay, so I have a story about your bind- the binders. Oh, and- binder. Okay, what is it? So Dustin, my husband, asked the boys what to get me for Christmas, what they wanted to get me for Christmas. And you want to know what Hugh said? Notebooks. A, binder, a Note- notebook. Notebooks because I'm always writing. I'm always writing something. Writing your thoughts. <laughs> thoughts, feelings, memoir. <laughs> your secret special thoughts. Well, okay. So the funny thing about the notebook thing is we all have the notebook, me, you, and Taylor. But – um. The other day, I was trying to find some information, some important business information. And what did you tell me? Uh, I don't even remember what notebook I wrote that in. Yes, I don't. I I did not remember what notebook I wrote it in. Did I end up finding it? No. I ended up going back to our office or our whatever. I don't even know anybody's title anymore. But whatever Sheena's. And Sheena's like, oh, you sent me this email. I'm like, okay, there we go. Because... It's somewhere in Brittany's notebook. Yeah. Yep. Well, now I just put everything on my um, iPad notebook, which is great in theory, but flipping through the iPad notebook is a lot of work compared to just like flipping through a regular. Can you search in your iPad notebook though? Uh, I don't think so because I don't have it set to transfer to text. I just have Mm. the writing. Yeah. Yeah. But well, yeah. we we all fall in the notebook situation is not good, not good at all. 
we at some point should count how many notebooks we have. It, it, and my problem yeah. is I start a notebook and then I don't finish the notebook. Like if I just started one and dated it, then I feel like it would be better. But notebooks, still old school. Can't help it. And it has to be a notebook too with a good saying on it. Like that's, oh, a, that's a perfect notebook. Mine right now says dream – my personal notebook where I'm writing all my special feelings says <laughs> dream big, work hard, be brave, shine bright, and fuck off. <laughs> Brittany. What did I tell you? Special feelings notebook. Well, mine is, well, because um, I have a shopping thing, uh, the shop I I still work for once in a while in Hill City was selling all these notebooks. So I just bought them all. So let's see mine today. Mine is I'm going to make everything around me beautiful. That will be my life. Isn't that nice and I put a date on it because I was thinking if I put a date on it then maybe I can like go back through my special thoughts and figure out what date I did something those notebooks that you have are really nice I like that's a good I know they work really good good size good paperweight (laughs) the pen touches it smoothly oh my god I know we could talk for hours about notebooks but Uh, I'm um, sure I'm sure everyone doesn't have our love of notebooks. I don't know. I feel like if you're in the behavior, I mean, we call ourselves behavior nerds. So I think that's kind of a telltale to, we probably all have this supply obsession. Loving a good notebook. Loving a good notebook. Yes. Yeah. So I am running on two hours of sleep. Two. Dose. Two hours of sleep. For some reason, I could not get to sleep last night. I took Tylenol PM, couldn't get to sleep last night. It was horrible. And finally, I was able to get to sleep at 3. And then Dustin has to get up for work in the morning. So he gets up at like 4.30 in the morning for work. So I had like just gotten to sleep when he woke up. So I'm on two hours of sleep. Um, Some B12 and a Diet Coke. Because I couldn't grind my coffee beans. Because they're too loud and I didn't want to wake up the children. <laughs> well, I um, I have more sleep than that, but that doesn't – I'm just still – the holidays are always Yeah, if rough. Nellie were here, I could – I'd be on her schedule. Yeah, that baby doesn't sleep. My new granddaughter does not sleep. Does not sleep. Not at all. Okay, so what's our topic for this week? Uh, we are going to talk about leadership. <laughs> this chapter, oh my God, I have so much to talk about with this chapter. So leadership is one of my favorite topics of all time. I mean, I was in extension for over 10 years, and I swear that's all you talk about when you work in extension. And um, if you don't know what extension is, look up land grant universities and find out what your local extension services are and all the great things that they'll offer you. Um, but so leadership is a great topic, but we have had a crazy week uh, with everything going on. So how are your holidays, Britt? Well, huh. they were okay. It was Christmas. It was fun. I don't know. So, okay. I called Anissa, my mom, yesterday and decided that we are going to be spending Christmas with my family next year. Not that I don't absolutely adore my husband's family. Completely do. They just don't have the cheer 
that <laughs> or the unrealistic expectations that Christmas yes, brings that comes with Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good. Yeah. The boys had a good time. The best part was in Christmas morning, every time one of the boys opened a present, they would come over to me and give me a <laughs> hug and tell me, thank you. And Dustin was like, uh, what, what am I? Nothing. They're like, we know who buys the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, they did good. Uh, they got their iPad. Oh, they got their electronics taken away from them for the night. Yeah. So this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I would love for y'all to comment on this in my parenting skills. So I am a parent that is, if you use a swear word, you're not at school, there's no adult around, whatever, you use a swear word. Like cash, I mean, we swear around them all the time. That's not that big of a deal. Well, they were playing and they were playing some game and they were playing really well together. But all of a sudden I hear Cash say, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, nope. <laughs> so I went up to Dust. I put him in the corner and I went up to Dust and I'm like, I really want to wash his mouth out with soap for saying I'm going to kill you. So they got their, I, he got his iPad, his computer, his switch and his iPad taken away. Oh my God. And of course, 30 minutes later, Somebody else had to chime in with the I'm going to kill you and got his iPad taken away. So they have been deprived with their electronics <laughs> um, since yesterday morning-ish. So, yeah, that's my, that about sums up how Christmas went. I have all my decorations down. All of them? Oh, my God. I haven't even started. Yeah. Yep. All right. How was your Christmas? So I feel like my Christmas was an episode of planes, trains, and automobiles. If you haven't seen that movie, you should definitely watch that movie. movie. Love that movie. Anyway, I felt like the week before Christmas, I felt like I was trying to get out of Iowa. I was snowed in in Iowa, trying to get myself, my friend, and my two grandchildren to South Dakota. Then the blizzard hits, and then I'd spent three days worrying about how I was going to get out of South Dakota to Iowa. So we finally made it out Christmas Eve day after all I did for a week straight was watch like road conditions in South Dakota, Minnesota and Iowa. Like I could tell you every road opening, whatever the interstate was closed for days. So we are trying to get loaded. We finally make the decision to leave. It is like a, just a a cluster. There's no other word, just a cluster. And we get in the, we, the littlest one gets up. She's five and throws up all over my sofa So I'm like, oh my God, now what do we do? Do we just keep driving? My husband's like, we're committed, we're driving. So we start loading the vehicle. My friend who stayed with us for a week um, has more luggage than I've ever seen in my entire life. She literally wore one t-shirt and one pair of leggings, I swear, the whole entire time. But she had packed for, I don't, like an evening out. Like there were sparkly things. I don't even know what she had packed. So she took up all the, all the space. So I told my husband that he could only, we had to share a suitcase. Well, if anything triggers him, it's me telling him what he can or cannot pack because he is an overpacker. So then we started fighting about what he could pack. So I literally was like, have the whole suitcase. I'll pack like the sparest of things, like two pairs of underwear and a pair of socks. Literally that's what I packed because I had no clothes. I had to wear one of his shirts home because I have no, I had no clothes because I didn't pack anything. So we get the kids in, Tetris in, into this expedition. Ava has 
six inches to sit in the very back. I sat in the middle with Hattie. She's covered. I covered everything in sheets and she has plastic bags because I throw up. We all know future throw up is not me. So we get in the vehicle. We're literally four miles down the road. She throws up again in a bag with a hole in it. So I'm like (laughs) throwing the bag up front, dry, dry heaving, being like, it's leaking. It's leaking. It was just so. Okay. So then we are like, she fell asleep for maybe 20 minutes and then woke up and she's like, I'm fine. Everything's great. Can I have some food? I'm like, absolutely not. You could have three sips of water for the next six hours. Like not, not going to do it. So then I medicated her. I medicated the one in the back cause she gets car sick. I medicated myself and woke up four hours later in Sioux Falls and everything was good. Everything was good. Although we did see like frozen cows in the center of the interstate, which was really traumatic. Like I look up and apparently the we like, this is the record snowfall that they've gotten for ever. And these cows got out and got on the interstate because the snow was over their fence. And like some of them didn't make it out of the medium. I know. And what wow. happened was my husband made like one of his gasping noises. So I look up and there's like a little sad frozen. Well, they're not little. They were like big. They were like big cows in the center of the medium, frozen, just laying there. It was so sad. Like they just had laid down and were sleeping. It was sad. So that was sad. But then um, we got to Iowa and I swore to my husband's family that I would be there for Christmas Eve. And they all told me I wouldn't be. So I showed up at 8 o'clock, wolfed down some food, and off I went. But I was like, bound and determined I was going to be there Christmas Eve. And I was. I was, but other than that was good. The girls had a good Christmas, but I'm like you, like I needed, I need an extravaganza. I need, I need my expectations to be so high and them not to be fulfilled. And then at least I'm covered in like glitter and red and green. Um, white chocolate dipping sauce. I didn't dip anything. anything There's no <laughs> dipping that. We even forgot to make Santa his cookies. I luckily what? I had over vanilla or leftover sugar cookies and some leftover frosting because I'm like Willy Wonka and I always have a good frosting in the fridge. And (laughs) well, we had cookies because my friend made cookies, but that was pretty much it. And then we left on the 26th and I don't know if we've talked about, I think we have like in passing that your father, my husband and travel days like it's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely annoying. It's a travel day. It's a travel day. We got to be ready. I woke up. The girls, we stayed the last night in a hotel so they could swim. They swam for like three hours. So they were exhausted. I woke up to the luggage cart sitting at the end of my bed and him standing there looking at me. I'm like, what? we have nowhere. Like, there's no reason we have to be back. <sighs> Insanity. Insanity. He's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. So it was a good holiday. Nothing. After we, I mean, after the traveling and all that stuff, it was really good. I'm glad. I'm grateful. We're all happy. We're all healthy. The baby is, the baby is good and everybody's good. So. Um, Hobby Lobby was out of wrapping paper. Hobby Lobby. I, uh, not voyaged. I, Oh my gosh, what's that word? I um, braved the crowd to go to Hobby Lobby because <laughs> my a snow globe, by the way, 
here's a tip I'm sure everybody knows. Don't pack your snow globe in with your paper products because the snow globe breaks and then everything. Don't pack your snow globe upside down, not wrapped in anything in your paper products. True. All true. (laughs) All the above are true. And so I needed to go to get wrapping paper and Hobby Lobby was completely out. And I got stuck behind someone who was making returns for the little like silver balls, you know, that those that <laughs> I just pull off of there. So they are, they were like a dollar fifty each. First of all, you're retail simple if you t- make a return on the 26th of December. Like no one, you never do that. Never oh, do no. that. And her daughters were with her and she's like, oh, now we got to go to TJ Maxx. <gasps> so yeah, it was not. Well, it was and- I texted Britt and I'm like, my sister-in-law, I love her to de- to death, but I went with her one time to Hobby Lobby and she's very frugal in what she does. And she had bought all these supplies for a birthday party. And she had literally, I would say seven receipts. And I swear they were like 15 cents on each receipt that she had returned like a button on one. And then one <laughs> was like, um, some pens that were 99 cents. I mean, we were there for seven hours. I was like, here, yeah. At one point, I was like, "Let me just give you the five dollars." Like, I swear, just get, I'll just let me hand it to you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Oh man! All right, so let's jump in. We are talking about chapter three of essential skills. Twenty-five essential skills for behavior analyst. Twenty-five essential skills and strategies <laughs> for professional behavior analysts. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about the essential skills. Um, Assessment. That's why it's stuck in my head. Okay. So leadership. So this, this is great. This leadership one was really good. This was this was a good chapter for for me to read. Um, so, so Britt, why don't you into the context? Hold on. Just okay. before you jumped in, did you notice the pronouns in the chapter? No. They were all female pronouns. See, that is what answers to my last chapter question. So it is all focused on, oh my God, did you hear my voice rise in octave? (laughs) They were right. Birch and Bailey were right. Don't let your voice go up at the end and keep your your voice at a a level octave. (laughs) I knew it. No, I didn't even notice that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. The only reason I really noticed it was because uh, apparently Stanford just banned a bunch of words from their campus. And some of them were like, um, had to do with pronouns. So I'm very alert with my pronouns right now. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So leadership. So what, what characteristics? (laughs) This was the best one. Which one did you put in all caps? (laughs) so I'm gonna read them and then I'll let my listeners think and then I'll give them the answer so they talk about leaders being intelligent enthusiastic having outstanding social skills confident lead by example know how to overcome obstacles emotional stability even keeled and instill trust have integrity and empower others So I put into all caps is emotional stability because I see myself as a leader, but if I have to be emotionally stable to be a leader, then I'm screwed because God, we all know I am not emotionally stable at any point in time. There could be a dark day. 
Well, and so it's interesting that they talk, what I noticed about this is they were, um, they talked about the characteristics of a leader and I'm like, how would we, um, explain these in, uh, observable, observable terms, like intelligent. So do I have to shit, like, how do I, how am I, I mean, it's not behavioral. Yeah. Yeah. How am I going to measure my intelligence? Do I keep my IQ score with me at all times? Enthusiastic that, but like my idea of enthusiastic and your idea of enthusiastic, like they didn't, they didn't explain what they meant. I mean, emotionally stable. What, what's that mean? I know that one is, that's a tough one. Tough one. Even keeled is also a tough one. I feel like yeah, like what's even keeled? But yeah, the one thing I I thought interesting was in this list they didn't actually talk about assertiveness until they referred to the previous chapter. So they had a whole chapter on being assertive, and then didn't not even listed as a single characteristic. It's listed as use the first chapter and the second chapter to build on it. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Yeah, it was just like, I wouldn't, I mean, if we were writing a goal for one of our clients, we wouldn't say that our client should be even keeled or (laughs) they should um, be able, like if we were working on social skills or if it was an older client, they should be able to empower others. Like, (laughs) I mean, like there is no observable or measurable um, characteristics in that. So I think that is something interesting to think about how we would translate that into our behavioral terms and then yeah. how you would see that might be a good one for um, us to have our staff work on, you know, just being very behavioral in how they they see things. Ooh, that would be a perfect activity for our leadership conference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the empowered one, I... I always think of when you're empowering people. So I can't remember who it was. I think it's that was a speaker that you really like um, who said that if there's not a seat at the table, bring your own chair. Oh like, yeah. It's um, it's actually on our shirt from Weba. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh my God. And I then, um, the on. other one is surround yourself by women who would mention your name in a room full of opportunities. Yeah. So I like I, that because that's a good one. Thanks. I heard it somewhere. I would love to give credit, but I don't remember who it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. When you think of empowerment, I think of that too, of what what you can do to give yourself empowerment. So like the first, um, my first like, professional I wasn't it was probably it was my first year in like an education field so I worked for a year on a project with some leaders within our state in extension and we worked on um it was a lean process and then there was a handful of us who were picked to go and spend three days working on this project. And then a couple of us that were from around the state were asked to work on presenting at a national conference. And this is the first time that I was asked to present at a national conference. And um, so it was the two leaders from the state who I really, really looked up to and was really excited about the opportunity. And then three of us from around the counties. 
um, they ended up writing a article that they submitted to the Journal of Extension on the work we did and didn't put anyone else's names but those two women. And I will never, like, I'm like, I couldn't believe that I, that not just I, but two other individuals had worked really hard on this project and they didn't, they didn't add us. And I'm like, it wouldn't have, what would have it mattered? Like if, but it just makes me think of being in a room full of people that will mention your name at opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like that organization was so toxic at the yep. top and all those women are now retired, which they should be. And I think a couple were forced into retirement, which actually made me really happy. But I'm like, why not add, why not bring everyone up? Like that would have been a really big deal to be where I was new to the field and be mentioned in a article. Yeah. And they could, and they used our stuff. That was the part that really irritated me. Yeah. Do an article, um, submit it, whatever. But if it's not things I worked on, so I always, I feel like we're really good at always bringing others on with us whenever we do anything. Yeah. And I think that's in giving them that opportunity, that empowerment in mm -hmm. knowing that it's okay to make a mistake. Like they have to be able to make their own mistakes and learn from mm -hmm. them. And that's a form of, I would say that's a form of empowerment. Yeah. is allowing them to have the opportunity or the room to make those mistakes. Yeah. But so our ethics covers that um, not publishing mm -hmm. give everyone credit. I can't remember what ethical code it is, but that was the first time I was like, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that that would even happen until like they got, accolades at like our state meeting about, you know, getting published in the journal of extension. And they stood up there and there were three of us that had done just as much work. I'm like, Oh my God. So give everyone a seat at the table and make sure that when you are in the, in the, you have the opportunity to bring others with you or to give others the opportunity. Let's say you can't do it. There's a lot of things that we get asked to do that we just can't do. And we offer that to, other individuals in our organization or individuals not even in our organization, other, other people in our field mm -hmm. and making sure that we share those opportunities. I think that's super important in being a leader. Yeah. And giving them that chance. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that we do is um, push for conference presentations. And a lot of times I just sign people up. I volunteer people, but they always come away with like that. It was a good experience. And mm -hmm and everything. Okay. The part in this um, chapter that I want you to help, like I want us to walk through is how vision and antecedent control, like how those are paired together. Yeah. So our, so when you think of antecedent control, you think of you're really manipulating the environment to produce a certain response. So I'm controlling a certain part of the environment that I know will elicit a certain response. So when we look at vision, by telling someone what our vision is or by stating what our vision is, we are arranging that environment to produce a specific behavior. Um, it also, as that antecedent that people can see a lot, they they can almost decide for themselves whether they want to be a part of that vision to produce that specific behavior. Yeah. I, and I, I liked that behavioral mm -hmm. um, partnership with vision because we do talk a lot about vision and what it looks like. I think 
that um, since I come from education and psychology background and leadership was a big focus of my master's um, project. And so like that's that like that was such a big focus is how we create this vision and as leaders then it is our job to guide um people that want to be part of our vision and then adding that in in a seat in control is like oh i kind of get that and that goes with the buy-in too so Mm -hmm. creating that buy-in is part of the antecedent control which i think is interesting because we as you know you're working on it, but we're working on something in the background right now. And we're really trying to put together that vision. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how much work like <laughs> finding a specific vision. Cause I have, we have such a broad, we want to do so many things, but getting it into a short little paragraph or three sentences of what you want to do and what you want to achieve. It's harder than it looks. Well, and one of the things that we do, we consult, as you all know, with um, ABA companies. And one of the first things we do with a new company is we have an exercise that I got from, I have to look to see where I got that from, but we work on a mission and vision exercise because it's really, first of all, that helps us also kind of decipher what people's true motives are when they have to work through what their mission and vision is for creating a company that provides ABA services. And not that you can't, I mean, lie about or whatever, or, you know, you know what you need to say, but we hope that when we work on, on creating that mission and vision with a company that we're able to really kind of decipher what they need and what they want. And then that mission and vision really helps us to kind of define how they'll move forward in their company. And I think that you're right. Like it's so hard because we'll have people that say, well, our vision is to provide ABA services. That's huge. Like that in itself is that's not, that's not enough. Like we have to really work on being specific. It's just like when we're writing a goal, um, we're going to be specific. We're going to have this timetable and we're going to be able to um, really hone in on what we want to accomplish. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. They focused hard on meetings, like leadership during meetings. <laughs> I know. I'm like, and all of that's different. Yeah. And so, and they said in the chapter, they said they focused on meetings because they believed that's when you would get your first chance to be a leader. But mm. I don't think it is. I think it's in the field is where you're going to get your first chance to be a leader. Yeah. Actually working with clients. Did you feel like an utter failure when they were talking about all the things you're supposed to do for a successful meeting? All I could think back to was my FFA days. Like we do not, we're bad. Oh, well, and we have like a meeting today or I think we have two meetings today. I don't even know how many meetings we have today. And I'm like, oh my God, well, there's no agenda. Um, I know that that's one area that you and I both are not good in. Like, I think we know what we need to do. Like, it's not that we don't know because we know. Do we do? Not so much. Do but as we say, not as we do. Yeah, because a leader, I do, I, I don't think that's, so to me, that's not being a leader. That's more admin. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, 
Well, I think the team is going to be super excited because reading this chapter, I came up with a perfect idea oh, because no. you suck so much at getting out agendas. I think that we should have each rotate clinical lead, clinical directors leading those meetings. So yeah, I agree because in charge of it. Yeah. I think that was a little general on we suck at getting out agendas because someone, one of our team members had a meeting this morning at like eight o'clock and I opened up the meeting link because I just needed to see if I was supposed to be there. And there was the little agenda all done. And I'm like, oh, so it's not necessarily, it's not the whole team. So don't think that it is literally Britt and I. Yeah, they all have their agendas attached to their meeting links. Yeah, like because we because we asked them to do that. You know that like mm-hmm. that was our whole plan. It's just you and I. I'm sure it sounds brilliant. Like I can't like totally came up with that. <laughs> sounds like something I would do. That seems like a perfect idea. It goes along with our accountability for 2003. <laughs> well, and so the funny thing about running a meeting too, I do think there was some interesting hints but again I think the age of the book yeah it's 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 showing itself a little bit so you can't take everything word for word but I do think there was some really good skills that we still need to think about when we talk about running a meeting uh we're we're virtual so all of our meetings are virtual so it looks a little different for what we need to do I loved the timer for the agenda which I've been in a lot of different organizations where they've tried to instill that. And that timer in itself is a great, is a great tool in theory. In reality, getting that to really work is hard because they say, you know, setting a timer, letting people know how much time we have to talk. And I do agree, but you do have to be a strong And I wouldn't say it'd be a leader though, a strong personality to instill that that always happens. Like it really is cutting whoever's talking off and saying, time's up. We're going to have to table that, come back to that for their next meeting. Yeah. But then doesn't that play against his, their discussion on reinforcing participation? Right. Right. Because I'm like, if you're using a timer and like the discussion starts to be really good, your agenda can fly out the window within five minutes Mm -hmm. of a meeting. And And I think, um, so it does kind of, it's counterintuitive. I think the other thing I've noticed that a lot of our staff do use like the hand raise. We don't use it very much, but using hand raise, um, our meetings, especially the meetings that Britt and I lead, probably Kelly a little bit, are a little loose, I'm going to say in I usually have in my head that I want to talk about. But I usually let it go with what everyone else is talking about, which yeah. I know is hard. It It's hard to get things done that way. But there might be something, especially when we have those all team meetings, there might be something that they're worried about or that's come up that we don't know about. So yeah. if they bring it up, we're not going to just be like, okay, let's table it for our agenda next meeting. No, we're going to actually talk about it and see what we need to do to either fix it or um, – address it or something like that. And I think our meetings, while a lot of times we have very specific agendas that we need to talk about, we, at, because we're remote and we're in 
seven different states. We use our meetings too as a time of mm-hmm. not really a forced check-in, but we use that as a time for our staff to actually get FaceTime with each other. So we do allow a little more, you so know, the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of every yeah. meeting is just catching up with each other because we right. don't see each other in the office. There's no like walk by mm-hmm. chat. Yeah. Uh, So I think the meeting thing is a little bit different than maybe what it was in the past. So we do know, we do recognize that we need a little, little help with the meetings. A little more structure. Um, What, so I'm reading one of uh, the ones that you wrote notes in, and I don't know which one you wrote. I don't know how long you wrote notes in it. I don't even know how long ago it was the book. Um, But one of the ones was, um, if you like, if you voice something that you're interested in, then assigning immediately assigning that task to that person and giving them follow up, follow up tasks to do. And you like put in the book, don't do that. <laughs> so I wonder what you were thinking. Cause it was something I have to find the exact spot, but it was like, if to go through and if you have a suggestion, then immediately as a leader, if that person had a suggestion, you would assign them the task to do whatever their suggestion was. I wonder why I said don't do that. Yeah. And you were like, don't do that. Absolutely. Don't do that. So I wonder what. My guess is it's the one I had in my PhD program because that's the only one I took notes in. And um, so I'm guessing because maybe you thought it would, well, my only thing I could think of is it really would diminish me like volunteering my ideas if immediately I was the one that was assigned to be in charge of the idea. Yeah, I can see that. Where if I'm just want to talk about something um, and don't necessarily want to be in charge of it, if I know immediately if I bring something up that you're going to assign me to be the one that focuses on bringing the task and so that I couldn't. Yeah. 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 And I can see a lot of our employees doing that too. It's not speaking up. If I told them every time they told me something, I was like, yep, got to do it. However, they do know that if they come up with an idea before it gets brought to me, they have to come up with a full plan on that idea. (laughs) You need need to have it. There's no willy nilly (laughs) throwing out big ideas. You got to have, if you really want it, I want a plan. <laughs> I need, I need a real plan. I don't need just, or, and if it's something you want to talk about, say, well, this isn't, I'm like, I really kind of want to work through this. I'm not, I'm not completely sure what I want to do, but can we talk about this? Yeah. And I think that is, um, I think that's important. And I think it was really interesting. Like I said, there was so much on meetings and how to run a meeting and how to get people to be motivated within the meeting. And I think that you were right in saying that I don't think leadership happens in a meeting. No. And I think you should run meetings just like you would run a classroom. Like if a teacher plans a certain lesson plan for that day and then the kids are more interested in a, in some other topic mm-hmm. – they're going to adjust their lesson plan. Like just like yeah. I'm going to we're going to adjust our agenda that is in our heads if somebody <laughs> wants to talk about something else. Um but So okay, I have a question. Okay. Do you think leaders are born or made? 
Well, so we've had this discussion. I've had this discussion with my former boss who I really, I, I really looked up to him. Um, and so I think that you might have a predisposed disposition for things that are listed as characteristics of a leader. So, but I do think that leaders can be made if you have some of those predisposed disposition, because I, I truly believe that you can learn how to do anything like anything. So I think that if you want to grow as a leader, you would look at your organization or your field and you would do the work to, to learn more about that. Now, with that being said, I do think that you can want to be a leader and it not always work out. I'm thinking back to Gilmore Girls <laughs> and Paris and when she was in charge of being an editor for the paper and how she had this, she had all of the things that you needed to be a leader, but it didn't work because she'd forgotten about some other things like, I don't know, people skills or things like that. So I do think that anyone can be a leader. What about you? Uh, I would say that, yeah, leaders are made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it has a lot to do with environment mm-hmm. and how they, but how they interact with their environment too. Right. So that's where you, where you have like, when you're talking about traits and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it, that's how they interact with their environment. So I think it has to do with how they interact with different environments and their opportunities and what, what kind of those reinforcing factors are to creating a leader. Because if you are someone who has constantly been shut down, you're not necessarily going to move forward as a leader. However, you can also differentiate between places that you are a leader and you're not a leader because I would definitely say like in middle school and things like that, like I wasn't a leader at at school, but outside of school, like in 4-H and FFA and all those different things, I was a leader. But so you can differentiate between the two based on those experiences. Well, and I think too, and I think about different positions I've had where I was like, I'm okay not being in a leadership position. I'm okay just clocking in, clocking out, doing my work, leaving. And it wasn't that I didn't like my work or whatever, but I was like, I don't really need that. And then I was like, oh my gosh, mm, I do need that. And so then finding somewhere that I could be a leader or do the things I wanted to do as a leader. So I think too, and if, and if you can't leave your work, like, or find a different job, you, it's like what you said, then you find other places. Like you volunteer with an organization where you are able to take a leadership role or you, um, find other opportunities and where you can be a leader. And I think that part is more of how your makeup is and your, you're predisposed to be a certain way. Yeah. I don't know. It's all, like I said, there's a lot of tons of literature on being a leader that does not necessarily coincide with what (sighs) behavior analysis um, stuff says stuff, you know, literature says. So I think it's interesting. I think that we have a lot of work 
um, to do within our organization about being leaders, because I think that we try really hard and um, I, I think we get bogged down by all the things. So, well, and I think there's a difference between a strong personality and a leader. Mm, Oh yeah. Strong personality, Mm -hmm. but not be a leader. Yeah. And you can have a more timid personality, but still be a leader. Bulldozing someone into doing what you want is necessarily not leadership, right? I think it's I mean, called dictatorship. <laughs> well, what there's always that there's always that conversation about um, people with leadership skills that turn into not good leaders. It wasn't yeah. that they didn't have the leadership skills; it's that they use them the for. Mo was mm-hmm. maybe yeah. not the best. So. What okay. um what leadership characteristics do you have? Oh man, <laughs> that was for our audience. Oh, uh, I want to know what you think. <laughs> um, I, think I lead by example a lot. Yeah, but what's a trait? Like, what's a trait? Like, what um, do you have? Well, I don't have emotional stability. Not much. <laughs> So like, I think I'm, so I would say I am creative. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a big idea person, which I think that's a leadership quality. It's kind of annoying to some people because I'm not really good with details. I feel like I have, I have, I feel like my communication skills are going down, but I feel like I have good communication skills. Um, I feel like I am trustworthy And I feel like I have a willingness to listen. Like, I think those are all things that I have, like, off the top of my head. Um, So I think that I am encouraging. I think that I am, oh, man, I just had, like, three of them in my head. Um, I think you're decisive. Like, I feel like decisive as a right now, as I'm trying to think, not now. I mean, I wouldn't say now is like your most decisive time I've ever seen, but I think you're decisive. Um, Decisive. I'm encouraging. Um, I'm very much like about empowerment and giving people those opportunities. I've always had a saying that, uh, Anyone who I supervise or who has been mentored by me, I hope that one day they are above me and I can see how much amazing things that they have done. Um, I think you have delegation <laughs> abilities. Really good at delegating. Really good. Uh, I think you have courage. Yeah. Like, I think you take chances. Um, but yeah, we need to like I I I love doing like personality and leadership things like this like the um, strengths finder that helps you be a leader all of those. So our listeners, they also need to think through like what are some what do you feel like your best leadership traits are? So then, Britt, what do you think your leadership style is? I this one's harder because no, I know exactly what my leadership style is. What I do it. And then I expect them to do it. And then I give feedback. So uh, we, do, we do need to do like the leadership style. So I'm more of a, so my leadership style was transformational. And so that means that I'm more like vision oriented. So I would inspire people. Like, I think it's like some fruity kind of 
definition of I'm less transactional in leadership. Like I'm not going to say you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. I'm going to say, here's like the bigger picture and this is what we need to work towards. Um, And this doesn't always work. This type of leadership style is good for motivating people, but not really good for um, like if you have people that are not self-motivated or don't have that buy-in already to what the vision is. And a lot of times um, you need to be more transactional in leadership versus like who, who is on your team and things like that. So I would be, I think I'm delegate, delegative, 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 delegative. Yeah. So I, it's one of the least, so I, I'm on two. Okay. So I think I'm more than one because I honestly think it has to do with the person. There no, that's are true. A lot of people in our organization that I am the delegative to, mm-hmm. but I also have some people where I've had to be um, authoritative for. Yeah, and I'm that's my least favorite way to be. But you're right. Like, and that's so. This is the other thing about being a leader. You need to know your own style. You need to know the styles of your team and what's mm-hmm. going to be most effective for those individuals, because you, you made a really good point. You saying, well, I'm, I'm very, um, delegative in my leadership style, but I know that for certain people I have to be this way. And so being able to recognize that and kind of move, I think is, yeah, is good. Um, because that helps your team, but it goes, it's really hard when you know that you have to be a completely different way than your normal kind of style. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So anything else? Well, you're not very energetic and two hours of sleep. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm struggling today. I know. A rough day. I don't know. Good thing you're home all day with your boys and we have meetings, so you'll be fine. I know. I have RSVP not going to the clinical meeting. How's Uh that going to go over? Didn't we just talk about leadership is another mandatory meeting that you've moved? I'm just curious. (laughs) That's my favorite thing to do. Okay. Well, before we get into that too much, (laughs) that wraps up another episode of Teaching My Mother ABA. So head over to our Facebook and Instagram at knowledge.now.solutions. Check all the things out that we have going on, the things we have to give away. Thank you to KNOW Behavioral Solutions for sponsoring Teaching My Mother ABA and for Pretty Easy Podcast for making us sound so good. And remember, it's all fun and games until you have to teach your mother ABA. 